0: Hello and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Sean Douglas, podcast producer at the National Trust. And in this episode, we're recognising one of Britain's most successful authors. In 1920, a young author published her first book and that would mark the start of tales of mystery and twisting plot lines that would captivate readers, theater goes and television audiences, keeping them guessing who done it for over a century. This year we recognise 100 years of Agatha Christie's stories through memories of Greenway, a property retreat that held a special place in her heart. Amongst the South Devon countryside's lush green cedar and beech tree canopies sits the strong Georgian symmetry and gleaming white facade of Greenway House, which is quite a sight to behold. But despite its grand and imposing facade, for Agatha Christie, Greenway was a property full of warm and cherished memories. It was a place that she loved. However, there's one person that may have loved it more. And that's Monmouthshire-based philanthropist, Matthew Pritchard.
1: I think I started going there when I was three or four. My grandparents and my parents were there for the summer holidays, and we used it as a place for recuperation. And it was, as my grandmother said, the
0: most beautiful place in the world. Matthew Pritchard is Agatha Christie's grandson. He recalls the time he spent there with her as a child.
1: My first memories of Greenway, it had big high rooms, and lots of them it had the most beautiful view down the river dart I used to go down with my grandmother and we used to watch the lovely old paddle steamers go
0: by to most people she was the superstar mastermind behind some of the 20th century's most acclaimed books and stage plays but to matthew she was a mentor a confidant and above all, a beloved grandparent. I learnt
1: a sense of humour, a sense of unselfishness. She was always much more interested in what other people were doing and saying than she was in what she was doing and saying herself. And she was extremely unselfish.
0: He was completely unaware of her status outside the walls of Greenway.
1: I think for a small boy, maybe you're not conscious of it at the time.
0: But from time to time, there would however be an incident that would remind Matthew that to many, his gran embodied a completely different persona to the one that he knew. I remember when
1: I started going to boarding school, she used to send me her latest book wrapped up in a you know, brown paper parcel. And what happened there was that when you were at school, even then, you had to have your books initialed by the headmaster in case you were reading pornography or whatever. And I noticed after a bit that mine used to take rather longer to come back than most other people's. And um, I thought, goodness me, what she'd written now or something like that. It was quite simple, really. The headmaster's wife was a huge fan and she used to read it before sending it back to me. And I suppose it's little things like that that make you realise that perhaps she wasn't entirely an ordinary grandmother.
0: Back at Greenway House, the manicured lawns and sumptuous views that look out across the Dart River would be the ideal location for a writer's hideaway. But it may surprise many that for Agatha, this was never the purpose for Greenway House.
1: I wish more people realised that, actually, because people sort of stare at me and say, she did write books at Greenway, didn't she? And I keep on having to disappoint them. I mean, she wrote mostly at a place called Wallingford, which is near Oxford.
0: Greenway in fact served as an idyllic getaway to relax and recoup from the hectic life of writing, travel and archaeology that Agatha busied herself with the rest of the year.
1: Sort of March, April, May she was usually digging in the Middle East with my step-grandfather Max Malavan who's a famous archaeologist and she did a bit of writing there but probably not all that much because she helped with the photography and all that kind of thing then she came back in May and she had lots of notebooks which we have here in the archive now and she selected a lot of notes and then she wrote the book between until May and July and then she'd finished so she delivered it to the publishers and then Greenway was a holiday but Greenway was real relaxation for her and it was sort of the focal point of her family life and that sort of middle end of July was the sort of watershed of the year. Work at least mostly, it was over and family holiday began.
0: As well as the big things like the sight of greenway houses imposing vista and acres of skillfully planted gardens to run and play, it's the little things that are some of Matthew's fondest memories.
1: I remember my grandmother snagging her stockings on a little doorstop, really, in the dining room within the safe of a serpent and the serpent had a sort of fangs, and the fangs snagged her stockings. Ever since then, it's got a cork on the end of the fangs to stop people snagging their stockings. I remember strange little things like ringing the gong before dinner when I was a very small boy because I wasn't allowed to stay up for dinner. But I was allowed to ring the gong, summon everybody else, and then I had to wander upstairs and go to bed.
0: But amongst the many memories that Matthew has of Greenway, there's one Christmas gathering that always stands out.
1: Somewhere in the mid-fifties, she wrote Miss Marple called a pocketful of rye, and she read sort of a couple of chapters to us after supper in the evening. I was by then old enough to stay up for dinner, although I still think I beat the gong. But uh, anyway, we sat there in the drawing room listening to a pocketful of rye, which is. Um, Miss Marple, which you can see on the television now.
0: If you're sitting comfortably, I'll begin. <coughs> Hello, you old crime fighter. Inspector Neal and Dr. Burdolph of St. Jude's had worked together on a case of poisoning a year ago and had become friends.
2: Doctor, uh, Mr. Fortescue's dead, I hear, Doc, and the cause of death? There will have to be an autopsy, naturally. It's a very interesting case, very interesting indeed. You don't think it was a natural death? Not a chance of it. He was poisoned. Definitely, and I'm almost sure that the poison was taxine. Taxine? I've never heard of it. It's really very unusual. I don't think I would have thought of it myself if I hadn't had a case of it three weeks ago. A couple of kids playing dolls tea parties pulled some berries off a yew tree and made tea with them. Extremely poisonous. Did he say anything before he died? He said that he'd been given something in his tea in the office. I'd like to speak to my sergeant again, if you don't mind. Thanks, Doctor. Sergeant Hey. Yes, sir? Managed to dig up any further information? Sir, the suit the victim was wearing, I checked the contents of the pockets. But there was one thing that was really strange, sir. The right-hand pocket of his jacket had uh, grain in it. It looked like rye to me. Quite a lot of it. Miss Griffith, can I have a word with you?
0: Yes, sir.
2: Come this way. I've heard from St. Jude's Hospital. Mr. Rex Fortescue died at 1243. Would you please give me the details of his home and family?
0: Of course. I've written down the telephone number for you. But they live at Baden Heath, and the name of the house is Yewtree Lodge.
2: What? Yewtree, did you say? How curious.
1: My grandfather, who used to work quite a bit in the day, got a bit tired usually halfway through the reading, and he quietly dropped off to sleep, and when it got to the middle and the end of the book, at the end of each part of the reading, she used to say to us now, come on, you've got to tell me who you think did it, and all this sort of thing, and we all had a a guess. My mother refused to guess, and so My grandmother said, Rosalie, why don't you want to guess? Because I know who did it, she said. And anyway, we all had a guess, and we were all wrong, except my mother, who was right, and my grandfather, who always said it was Lawrence, despite the fact that he hadn't heard half the book. I began probably when I was about 10 or 11, and as far as I remember, the first one I read was... Then there were none. That was the first one I read, and then I went through a few Miss Marple's, and didn't get to Poirot till actually a bit later on for some reason. But the great thing about her stories is, she always used to call them stories, the great thing about them is that you can read them again. I mean, I still read one, even now. I can usually remember who's done it, but, but it doesn't seem to matter, really. It's a, sort of nostalgic.
0: And 100 years after the publication of her first book, what does Matthew think of his grand's contribution to the world of literature, stage and screen?
1: I think her legacy, it may sound desperately simple, her legacy is well over a 100 wonderful stories which we still enjoy reading, watching, listening to, going to plays and all that kind of thing. And after she died, we got together as a family and we wondered what to do with Greenway. And we decided that we wanted it to end up in the hands of somebody who would allow many, many people to have the same enjoyment that we did as a family while we were there and the whole object of Greenway and I think visitors should remember this is that what you're supposed to feel when you visit Greenway is that my family just moved out last week that's why we left them the large part of the contents because we wanted our contents
0: to be there and even today, as you walk through the corridors, rooms and garden at Greenway, you'll still see the doorstop with that cork shielding its fangs to protect Lady stockings. You'll see the gong that called the family to dinner, as well as the boathouse at the bottom of the garden which featured in the book Dead Man's Folly. But rather than the superstar author we've come to know, you may just get a rare glimpse into Agatha Christie the person.
1: There is only one place that's available, so to speak, to go and visit, um, which um, has really strong connections with her. And I'm quite often asked, believe it or not, you know, what was she like? I'm tempted to say, well, why don't you go and walk around Greenway and then you'll find out far more than I can tell you.
0: To read and learn more about the connections between Agatha Christie and the National Trust, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash NTP 84, as in National Trust Podcast, episode 84. If you've enjoyed this episode of the National Trust Podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts to be notified when new episodes are available. And for more audio programmes from the National Trust, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. We'll be back soon with another episode. But for now, from me, Sean Douglas, goodbye.